Hey, what is up, Cub fans? Welcome to episode 34 of Locked on Cubs. I'm your host, Ryan Davis, and today I will be bringing on Jason Rollison of Locked on Pirates to preview the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I think that's uh, that's an interesting team. They're probably not going to be competing in the NL Central, but I think Jason probably has some thoughts that you might like on the Pirates, but we'll get to him in just a minute. First, I want to look back on the most recent game that has been played, for me at least, on Monday night. The Cubs beat the Reds 5-4. to four. Here are a few important notes. John Lester went six and two-thirds innings. He allowed nine hits and three earned runs with one walk. He also struck out six batters. It's not the best outing for John Lester, but he did pitch well enough, and he had a quality game. Uh, most importantly, he appears to be ready to go 100% on opening day, and that's really all you can ask for anybody on this team. In the category of final bullpen jobs, Justin Hancock faced one batter and got Lester out of the seventh. Anthony Bass came in for the eighth. He gave up three hits and one earned run in his first action in nearly two weeks and only got two outs uh, in the eighth inning and had to have someone come in and finish that out for him. Other than that, Kyle Schwarber won for two with a walk. Wilson Contreras won for three with a double. I think Addison Russell had two hits. So, you know, just another spring training game. Uh, you're probably listening to this on Wednesday or after, like I mentioned, uh, the Cubs play the Texas Rangers on 3.05 PM central time. That's on MLB network. So I wanted to talk about the pirates. We're continuing our preview series. If you haven't listened to it yet, I talked to Craig Edwards on yesterday's podcast, uh, to talk about the St. Louis Cardinals today. It'll be Jason Rollison with the Pittsburgh pirates. And then hopefully we'll finish out with a couple interesting guests to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and the Cincinnati Reds. Enjoy. Joining me now to talk a little bit more about the Pittsburgh Pirates is our Locked On Pirates guy, Jason Rollison. How's it going, Jason? Very good, Ryan. Thanks for having me. And how are you? I'm doing great. This is a, is a great Tuesday morning that I'm having today. Uh, diving right in. Uh, what excites you or who excites you most about the players the Pirates have added in the uh, the big deals they made this offseason? Well, I'm very excited for Colin Moran in particular. Uh, here's a guy who is a notorious pull hitter, has embraced the launch angle revolution, and he, along with Corey Dickerson as well, um, can really play for left-handed power at PNC Park 81 games out of the year. Uh, PNC Park kind of has a reputation as being a little less home run friendly to to hitters, especially uh, right-handed hitters, but left-handed hitters fare a little bit better. It's 320 feet out to right field in PNC Park, so I think that the Pirates definitely embrace that fact, loading up on left-handed power with Moran, Dickerson, and then you're hoping to see uh, some more left-handed power from Polanco and to see Josh Bell from the, from the uh, left-hand side embrace his power potential as well. So that's kind of the game plan for the position players, and uh, pitching-wise, I am excited to see what Joe Musgrove could do. We haven't quite heard exactly what his role will be we'll presume it'll be a starting pitcher um, but excited for that as well so you know it's been a turbulent offseason for Pirates fans but there's a lot of big league talent coming in that should be exciting yeah and you know it's uh it's not exactly what fans want to see especially when uh, just a couple years ago a lot of this same core was uh, battling for a playoff spot or winning 97 games and and now you know a lot of these guys are gone and and rebuilding around the youth but that that isn't always a bad thing right it's it's not and you know the 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 uh, part of that argument would be that they didn't get much of the McCutcheon trade just uh one major league piece but what i like to do is i look at the entirety of these two trades those being the Garrett Cole and the McCutcheon trades 
And the Pirates got, you know, four big league pieces, uh, quality pieces as well, uh, in exchange for two players who are definitely not going to be here in the club's future. So if you look at it in the totality, um, I think the Pirates did a great job of remaking their roster on the fly, and I think they might surprise some people this year. I really do. Uh, let's talk about Tyler Glass now. Uh, this is a guy that I had really high hopes for uh, two years ago. I thought that this guy was going to be uh, the next number one starter in the big leagues. You know, the the high velocity fastball, the big curveball. Uh, what is the hope? What hope is there still right now for Glasnow? And what is the expectation uh, for you and for uh, Pittsburgh Pirates fans for him this year? Well, from my personal standpoint, I think he has every makings of a, of a quality Andrew Miller light reliever. And I only say light because we haven't seen him work in that role yet. But I think the fact that he has trouble embracing a third pitch means his viability as a starter is seriously in question. Um, also, he can't really find the strike zone on a consistent basis with his forcing fastball. And the current knock on him that we've seen this year in spring training is that his forcing fastball just has no life. Sure, he has the velocity there. Um, he has a two-seam that has some movement, but the four-seam in particular is just maybe not what we thought it was. I mean, there are some cases where velocity can be deceiving. Uh, it comes out of his hand pretty flat, and it's pretty hittable. So when you add that, plus the fact that he can't develop a changeup, um, and plus the fact that he has trouble fighting the strike zone in particular, kind of leads me to believe that they can really get more out of him by pairing his, his offerings down, maybe really developing a two-seamer that he's tried to embrace over the past two seasons and really just making him a, you know, a, a two-seam a two uh, curveball kind of guy in the bullpen. Um, it, it's frustrating because, like you said, he was the number one pitching prospect for the Pirates, and I think there was a year where he might have been the number one right-handed prospect overall. So right. it's definitely been – I wouldn't call it a fall from grace, but it's definitely a rethinking of what they actually have in him. He's definitely be been eclipsed by the guys like uh, Jameson Tyon, for example, in terms of how he is esteemed in the Pirates organization, and Mitch Keller, for that matter, who's about a year away. So at this point, you're really hoping he just is able to find the strike zone with enough consistency to be a, a major league option at this point. Yeah, and it's kind of – everyone talks about how prospects are kind of a crapshoot and you just don't know, and that's true to a degree, but I think it's a misnomer for the last maybe five to ten years because it's become a little bit more of a science and less of a guessing game where these guys – if you finish in the top 100 on a prospect list, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but the guys who show up in the top 10 usually are – uh, you know, big league contributors. And it's just weird to see a guy like Glasnow, who may have been the top right-handed prospect, I believe he was in the top 10 at least one year, uh, really not even, you know, end up in a starting rotation role if that is indeed where it goes. Do you think they, they could still salvage that from him if he develops uh, like a two-seam? Because I know, you know, if a lot of pitchers have had success going away from the four seam and leaning more on the two seam slash cutter slash sinker, whatever they're throwing. Mm -hmm. uh, first guy that comes to mind is Jake Arrieta, who hardly ever threw his four seam fastball basically was uh, like slider cutter. Is that something you think that he could have success with if he develops that two seam? I think so. But the caveat there is that he would have to completely abandon any preconceived notion of being a starting pitcher. Mm. Um, and I say that because, uh, you know, we know we see what's going on in baseball. There's a trend towards, you know, curveballs. There's a trend towards, uh, you know, pitching up in the zone for the Pirates in particular. Um, 
and to, to me, that means he's going to have to, you know, get some movement on his pitches, whether it be a uh, two-seam fastball or maybe developing a slider. Um, now, the good news is that the Pirates are notorious for pitching like that over the past seven years in the Neil Huntington era. So you kind of wonder, like, maybe Ray Searage can really pare him down and, and get him in that mindset. But I just to back up on your point a little bit, I did hear something that I really resonated with me recently. That is that every team has analytics now. Every team crunches numbers now. So where teams can really make a difference is the scouting department. Mm-hmm. And that kind of rings true with Glass now, especially because here we have a guy who, like you said, entered into the top 10 prospects and right-handed pitch prospects in all of baseball. So you figure his floor, at the very least, has to be a you know, quality major league uh, piece. You know, but maybe there was something in the scouting that we missed. Maybe there's just, you know, maybe he's just not as dedicated to his craft as you would think. Hmm. Um, not to suggest there's anything nefarious going on or anything like that, but you kind of wonder if maybe a scouting opportunity was miss, missed with Glass now, and, and perhaps the Pirates, you know, looked, looked at the velocity, looked at the frame, looked at the makeup, and you kind of got stars in their eyes. And, you know, here we are three years later and uh, trying to figure out what we could do with him. All right, last question I want to ask you uh, before we go on to some uh, predictions for this season. Uh, the Pirates obviously are not expected to contend for a playoff spot, although you know in the in the second wild card era, it's it's always a question for just about any team going into a season, at least any team not named the Marlins. And uh, so there are a lot of veterans that remain on this team. Who would you expect will not be with them that is with them now by the end of July? Well, Josh Harrison obviously comes to mind. Uh, he is the lone holdover from the uh, 2013 playoff team um, that went to the NLCS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has voiced displeasure after the, the club traded Andrew McCutcheon this year, one of his best friends on the team. And uh, he is in the last year of his contract. I, well, I shouldn't say that. There are player, or, excuse me, team options coming over the next two years, but at a, at a rate which the Pirates really probably don't want to pay him at. That being, I think, like $11.5 million next year and 12 point something and the year after. So there's a decision to be made there. You know, so many clubs would love to have Harrison. I just don't think there was a, as much of a market in the offseason as there will be at the trade deadline. He can play, you know, four or five, three or four positions regularly and really excel at all of them. So he's, there's definitely going to be a market for him in July. I would also look at guys like David Freeze, uh, similar situation, veteran, not really a, an everyday player at this point, but can help a team. And for a dark horse candidate, I might say Yvonne Nova, who is mm-hmm. a controllable starting pitcher. Uh, nothing flashy. Definitely not the pitcher we saw in 2016 when he came over to the Pirates and was lights out. But, you know, an innings eater and, you know, a solid presence who will have a year and a half of control could demand a high price at the deadline. Um, and like we said at the top, Mitch Keller and some other pitching prospects may be ready to chip in by then. So he could be a dark horse candidate. But I think if the Pirates are in contention, which is not out of the realm of possibility in my mind, uh, they may stand pat. So it's going to be an interesting couple of months uh, to start the season because I think how the team performs in the first couple of months will really chart what they do at the deadline and going forward. It's interesting that first name you brought up, uh, Harrison, former Cub, and Cubs fans will remember him, uh, famous for singing No Cubs No after a Pirates victory at Wrigley Field. I want to say <laughs> last year, maybe the year before. I think it was the year before that same series that uh, Garrett Cole said that they – they were not the best team in the, in the league, and then they won the World Series. Yeah, you know, you know, just a little faux pas there, but we'll right. move on from that. 
All right, I want to do some over-under. Uh, first one I have for you is 29 and a half home runs for any Pirates player, over or under. Oh, I'm going to say over, but but by not a lot. Um, Josh Bell hit 24 last year um, in mm-hmm. his first full year in the league. Uh, has a lot more protection around him this year with a, you know, hopefully back to form starting Marte, as well as the additions, the additions of Moran and Dickerson. So I really think uh, Bell might hit 30 on the nose. That's my That's my prediction there. Yeah, when I was making that one, I thought uh, 29 and a half was that perfect number. I try and find these like really num- numbers that make you <laughs> waffle. And I thought Bell is probably the only one that I think could get past it. You might have a future as a uh, Las Vegas odds maker there. That was a pretty good one. <laughs> well, I am going to Vegas next week. <laughs> All right. Um, for I think I kind of know this based on our conversation, but for Tyler Glasnow, over or under 100 innings in the major leagues this year? Undoubtedly under. Uh, may end up as a, uh, a reliever like I, I and many others hope, um, but definitely not going to be a starting pitcher for the big league club for the majority of the year to get those innings. All right. For uh, Gregory Polanco, uh, a player that I haven't paid that close attention to. I've, I've known that he was a, a top prospect at one point. He's had some great stretches in the major leagues, but when I look at his stats, I'm consistently underwhelmed. Uh, his career high in wins above replacement is 2.6, and last year it was 0.1. So I have a feeling I know where we're going on this too, but does he break out? Is he is he going to break the 3.0 war barrier? Uh, is it possible to say push? Because I really, I really don't know. The hard thing with Polanco is that 2017 was a bit of a misnomer because he was so start and stop last year with just various injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, never really got in a groove. Um, if you believe in this kind of thing, the loss of Marte, who is his uh, best friend and mentor on the team, kind of affected him, affected his play uh, by many accounts. So there's that as well. Um, is he the guy who hit uh, 20-something home runs in 2016? No, I really don't think he is. But I think he has consistent 15-plus home run power, uh, consistent base-stealing threat when he's healthy so he can steal 25 bags. Um, it, if he hits that war mark, it might be a function of where he hits in the lineup. Uh, there's still some question about if he's a uh, bottom, you know, middle of the middle of the order bat towards the bottom, or maybe top of the order bat. Um, Clint Hurdle's kind of tipped off that he may lead him off against certain pitchers. So there's going to be a lot of bouncing around for him, but I really think that he uh, he is he has the ability to be consistently in the 2.5 F war range. Anything above that is a bonus, in my opinion. So I really don't know, but 2.5 is not out of the question. All right, last one uh, for over-under I have is Felipe Rivero. Came on strong last year, developed into you know a really great relief pitcher. I have no idea why the Washington Nationals traded him for uh, the rental of Mark Melanson, but that's beside the point. For him, 21 saves last year. I will put him down for 24 and a half uh, over or under. Oh, absolutely over. Uh, he is now unquestionably the team's closer. Uh, Clint Hurdle, despite some leanings towards you know taking a more modern bullpen approach is still very traditional in his closest role going all the way back to uh jason Grilly and then mark melanson like you said so there's absolutely no question he'll be over that and by the way the reason the washington nationals made that deal is because they have an extreme amount of hubris every year is their year they're going to push in and i lived there for four years and i can tell you that um you know people are ups- are kind of frustrated that every year seems to be the year but it never pans out so that's why uh, you know, uh, Cubs fans can relate to that, I think. 
Uh, all right. So here two more questions, then uh, we'll do win predictions real quick. Uh, if the Pirates make the playoffs this year, it's because blank. A lot of things break right. Tyon takes another step forward, has a what I hope for for him is a boring year based on what he's been through. Um, if Josh Bell continues to mature, if starting Marte comes back to be at least 80% of what starting Marte was, you know, in his all-star season of 2016. And if the pitching holds up. All right. Uh, if the pirates missed the playoffs this year, it's because it's blank. It's because uh, certain people took a step back. The same guys, Tyon and Bell. Um, and there's just a little bit, you know, despite some moves, which I like that the pirates have done, there's still a town gap, especially between you guys and the Cardinals and us and the Brewers as well. Now I should say so. If they don't make the playoffs, it's because perhaps they performed, but there was just still that talent gap that was too much to overcome. All right, let's do some win predictions. How many wins do the Pirates win in 2018? I'm going to go with 83. I really think this club will have a winning season. Uh, may not be enough to make the playoffs, but there is enough talent here to definitely, definitely get there. We have a gap between how we feel about that, but that is totally okay. <laughs> uh, how many for the St. Louis Cardinals? Now, I like what they've done with with Azuna, getting Azuna, obviously. But what I really like is Miles Mikolas. I think he uh, – I hope I said that right. But I think he's shown pretty well in spring training. I think he could be an unheralded addition to their to their staff. So I like them for – I'm going to say 92 wins. You know, just another solid Cardinal season, annoyingly. <laughs> All right. Uh, how many for the Brewers, then? I like the Brewers a lot. I like what they've done. I, I just think the loss of Jimmy Nelson is going to be a little bit too much for their rotation – so I'm going to pencil them in for 90. I think the, the talent is there, and they're going to score a lot of runs. I just don't think the pitching can hold up, starting pitching. Well, it's consistent, uh, I mean, considerable uh, growth for the uh, Cardinals and Brewers, so that's impressive. Uh, how many for the Reds? I'm going to – I totally can't, can't, can't even get my finger on them. I mean, who knows what they're going to do between now and July. And so I'll just play it safe and say 70. You know, I think there's some talent there, and it might be enough to – you know, have them steal a series or two from the big boys. Um, so I'm going to go with 70. Yeah, the, the Reds are one team that I feel the same about. I feel like that that's a team that is in a rebuild that could potentially jump up and surprise people with a 500 year. Um, not necessarily that they will, but they had so many pitching injuries last year. They have a decent offense. They have Joey Votto. Their pitching supposedly is healthy. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. Last team I have, how many for the Cubs? Well... Because I am a, a gracious guest. I'm, <laughs> Remembering that you said 92 wins for the Cardinals. Yep, I'm, I'm going to say 95. I, okay. uh, I love what you guys have done with the rotation, obviously. Um, I think if your bullpen can hold up, you obviously have the offensive talent. So, And Schwarber looks like a man possessed in terms of his workout regimen and getting himself in shape. And I'm sure you guys are excited about that. So, you know, maybe another year where the NL Central surprisingly is um, – you know, stacked with high win totals. And uh, it won't be the Pirates this year, but, you know, I can see that happening. Yeah, uh, that that's something that I've been hoping for. I had Craig Edwards on, uh, on my last podcast to talk about the Cardinals, and I always say it's never uh, more fun for me personally. I grew up in central Illinois, which is like 70% Cardinals country. It's never more fun for me personally than when both the Cubs and Cardinals are great. So that's what I'm really rooting for this year. But a, a top-to-bottom strong division would be great too. Absolutely. And, you know, thinking back just to 2015, how exciting that was. It came down to basically the last week or 10 days before mm -hmm. it was kind of decided. So, yeah, I'm on board with you. I'd like to see that. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me. And why don't you, before we cut off here, tell uh, the listeners where they could find you if they're interested in listening to more than just the Cubs. Well, we're on LockedOnPirates.com, of course. Uh, you can also follow me on my main gig, which is writing for PiratesBreakdown.com. And we're at PBC Breakdown on Twitter. All right. Thank you very much, Jason. And uh, I will be hopefully finding time to come on and talk some Cubs with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's always good to get another perspective. So these are these kind of exercises are very fun. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. That's it for today's podcast. Thank you again for listening, Cubs fans. I'm Ryan Davis. You can find me at Ryan Q Davis on Twitter. You can also find the podcast at Locked On Cubs on Twitter. You can email us or any questions or comments to LockedOnCubs at gmail.com. And watch out for my written work this year. I'll be at the Sporting News and occasionally at CubsInsider.com and maybe somewhere else too. We'll see. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next time.